there was this um, elderly man and his wife, and they um, were getting hard of hearing. And so he called a doctor to see um, when they could get in for an appointment. And the doctor said, well, as most doctors do, it's going to be a little while, so about two weeks before you can get in. But he said, what I want you to do, he's talking to the husband, is what I want you to do is there's a simple test that you can do um, that will help me determine the scope of um, the hearing problem. And he said, what I want you to do is in your house, and this was kind of a large house, and so take about 40 feet between you and your wife, and I want you to, in a normal conversation, tone of voice, say, honey, what's for dinner? And then if there's no response, then I want you to move to about 30 feet. And then again, if no response, then 20 and so on and so forth until she responds back to you that um, she's heard you. And so they went home, and or he went home, and, um, uh, you know, it was a, she was making dinner, and he thought, well, this is a perfect time for to me to, to test this out. And so he figured out it was about 40 feet between him and his wife. And so in a normal conversation tone, he said, honey, what's for dinner? And there was no response. And so he moved up to about 30 feet or so, and he said, honey, what's for dinner? And she said, there was no response. And so then he's going, all right, man, this is a little weird. So he moved up to 20 feet, and just with a little louder voice, he said, honey, what's for dinner? And still no response. 10 feet, and he got really loud in his voice. And you know how when we get, you know, when we think that somebody's not listening, we tend to get louder, slower, and a little more staccato, right? Honey, what is, or what's for dinner, or something like that, right? And still no response. And so finally, he just went right next to her, and, and then he not only went, got louder and slower, but then he began to use hand motions. Honey, right? What? <laughs> what's for dinner? And she turned around, and you could tell that she was agitated, and she goes, chicken. For the fifth time, we're having chicken. Right? That was my attempt at stand-up comedy, so I'll be here all day. <laughs> so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about hearing this morning. I know you thought we we're going to talk about chicken today, but no, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about hearing. My wife and I, we've been married for uh, let's see, thirteen thousand and sixty-two days, or eighteen hundred and sixty-six weeks or 429 months, or what you probably normally think about marriage is 35 and a half years. So we've been married a while. And um, over the course of these years, we have begun to learn a few things about how each of us communicate. And, <laughs> and it's been good, and sometimes it's been not so good, right? We've had these moments where, um, where she will be talking to me, and... Uh, let's just say I've really developed a, a, an acute sense of selective hearing, and <laughs> some wives know this to be true, and there's just times when she can tell, and she'll just stop and go, you're not listening, are you? And I go, well, sure I am, and I'll begin to list off maybe the, you know, the few words that I've heard to, to try to pass that I've really listened <laughs> to what she's saying, and she'll know that she is that I am just not listening at all what she's saying. And so and there's other, a few other things. One of my pet peeves, um, actually, in our marriage is, and I love my wife, but one of my pet peeves is 
when um, my wife takes a while to get ready to go to bed, and, and I'm just, you know, when it's time to go to bed, let's just go to bed. And so I'm in bed, and she crawls in, and, and you know, I'm about ready to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, my wife will decide this is the best time to bring up a deep subject that she's been wanting to talk to me about for a while, and she will go, honey, hey, let's talk about, and, and whatever it is, and I'll go, oh, no. <laughs> and we will spend some time talking about it, and sometimes it's rather animated, and once we're done, I don't know how she does it, but she just falls asleep, and I am up until two or three in the morning stewing and thinking, what did I do wrong, and how can I do this, and, and any of that stuff, but anyway, so communication, right, this whole idea of hearing, this whole idea of really um, listening and communicating with one another, not only with our spouses, but with our children and with our friends and with our neighbors, is, is really a big deal. And, and I want you to know that there is absolutely a, this is not working, um, This would be bad if this is not working. Oh, that's because I'm clear at the end. There. There is a difference between hearing and listening. That there is a difference between, you know, physically being in the room and, and using your two ears that God's given you and, and saying you're hearing somebody what they're saying, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. And I want us to know that there is a difference between hearing and listening when it comes to the Word of God. I mean, we can hear the Word of God with our ears, but we're not really hearing the Word of God. And this seems to be a recurring theme with Jesus as we read about his life on planet Earth in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That this seems to be a recurring theme. He says, let those who have ears hear. Right? Be careful how you hear. And Luke is beginning, is going to share with us a story about where Jesus is talking with a crowd and Jesus is going to share a parable. And it's in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 4, starting with verse 4 through all the way through 21. And last week we, we talked about, um, remember what the phrase is? I said it once before today already, but what, can you say it back to me? What's the phrase that we talked about last week? Love? See, I paid Travis to be the leader in that one. <laughs> so let's say it again. Love? Exactly. See, we talked about the, the story where Jesus ends up chapter 7, where we have Jesus and Simon, who's a Pharisee, and we have the sinful woman, and we don't know her name, but we just know her by that label. And it's this, this interaction between Jesus, the, the, the woman, and Simon at this meal, and, and we see um, this beautiful encounter of this woman coming in and so overwhelmed with gratitude and with joy, probably, because of previous encounters with Jesus, and knowing that she is um, full of sin and Jesus has forgiven her, that she just 
you know, bursts out into these tears. And they fall down and they hit his feet. And she then bows down in humility and wipes them off with her hair. And it just is done this continually, continually, and continually. And Jesus makes this comparison between this woman and Simon about what it is like to, to love God with the same love with which you've been loved. And so that's what's preceding this in chapter 8. And, and, and part of that loving, I believe, is, is really listening um, while we're hearing the word of God. And I don't believe that, that God is looking for perfection while on this earth. While on this earth. He's looking for progress. Right? Don't let perfection, don't let perfection derail progress. And here's really a simple formula for you as, as a life learner, and that's what discipleship, that's what being a disciple is, is that you're, you're learning more about who Jesus is. You're a life learner with God. And it's really this, it's, it's be, plus do. And that's really a simple, simple formula for you. And so it's be, right? Be who, um, who, uh, who God created you to be. Understanding that you're, you're getting to know more about who he is. About what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. About who you are in Christ. And then about the hope that you have when you will spend eternity in heaven with him someday. And so that part of it is something that we're beginning to know more about who God is. And, and, and the reason why we do that is so that we can love him. I mean, you can't really love somebody deeply until you know him. And so we need to begin to do that, begin to know and begin to love. And then the other part of that equation is this, and this is something that we tend to forget, is the doing part. Is that I think we can read scripture and we can ingest truth and then it seems like it goes in one ear and out the other. Maybe you've heard that expression before. And it doesn't make its way down to the heart and it doesn't make its way out into the hands into doing something, doing or executing what we know. Remember, I've talked to you many times before about this phrase that, you know, when, when a parent comes to, comes to their child and he says, you know, um, you need to do this, do this, do this, and the child goes, well, I know, I know, I know, and then the parent goes, well, then do what you know, and I think that's exactly what it is like in our Christian life, is that we know a lot of things, and part of the equation that we forget is this doing part that we just don't do what we know, and we struggle with that. It's not about perfection, right? It's not about perfection. We're not going to be perfect until that one day when we're in heaven. But right now, it's more about progress. It's more about taking that next step in our walk of faith. In the book of James, the author is James, and he writes in chapter 1, verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And he goes on to say, and so there's a freedom in this. There's a freedom in, in connecting the being part and the doing part. And not only that, but when you do those two things together, there's this blessing that you'll be blessed, right? Um, you'll be blessed in what they do. In, in other words, what you do, you'll be blessed. The, the fruit part of it and the peace 
and, and all those things that go with being a child, being a son, being a daughter of God. And so this is what we're going to talk about. That love is not just hearing what God says, but listening. And we're going to go to the book of Luke. And so get out your Bibles, if you would, please, um, on your phone or whatever it is. I'm going to read it from my phone today. And I want you to look at um, Luke chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 4 to 21. And I'm going to read from the NIV version. It says, while a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed as he went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it, ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, and this is from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is what the meaning of the parable, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought, or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they will have will be taken from them. And then verse 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. But they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And so here we have this story and we see Jesus immediately after, or a little bit of time after um, this encounter with the sinful woman and this whole picture of what it means to love God. We have this time where he is... Um, walking and teaching, right, probably along the Sea of Galilee, and, and there's people that are attracted because they've heard of his miracles and, and all the different things that he's done, and they're curious as to what he's saying, and they're probably wanting to see or probably wanting to get healed, healed or whatever it might be. But there's this crowd that begins to become um, gathering around him. And, and it's, we begin to get this picture that it's not just his disciples. Now it's the people that are large groups that are probably not his disciples, but they're curious, right? They're, they're wanting to know. They're not necessarily there yet, but they're just wanting to know. And so this is kind of the setting 
um, for the parable that Jesus is going to talk about. And it's the parable of the seed or the parable of the sower, sower however you want to um, label it. And he, and he uses uh, this picture of a Palestinian, Palestinian farmer sowing seed. And he would have had a pouch in front and he would have grabbed the seed and he would have tossed it, you know, in rows. And, you know, then he, and this picture, you know, they would have definitely understood because of the agrarian society that they were, um, were in. And I believe that we can, you know, understand that as well here. And so in, in verse 5, we see him sowing the seed, and some of the seed falls alongside, right? And it gets trampled on, and the birds of the air, you know, grab it. And, and then um, in, in 6, the seed falls on um, rocky ground, and it's not necessarily big boulders, but there's this uh, thin layer of rock underneath the dirt, so that when the seed goes in, it germinates and begins, begin, but then because it doesn't get water, um, it dies. And so there's no root system to it. And then in verse 7, some of the seed gets sown, and it's sown in this area where these um, thorns grow up. And, and the picture there um, in, in Palestine was these thorns could grow to about six feet. And they um, would blossom with these beautiful colors. And so while they would then begin to choke out because they would take all the moisture and take all the nutrients from anything that would try to grow around it, um, and that's what began to happen. But they were very beautiful to look at, but they were just worthless. And so and that's the third one, third one. The fourth one is where the, the seed is sown on good soil. And um, this is the picture, right, that it over, the seed overcomes obstacles, it overcomes whatever is present to, and, 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 this, and the, the uh, soil is fertile, and it grows, and it bears fruit, right? It bears whatever, it, whatever it, the seed is, it produces some kind of crop. And the yield in Scripture says that it's a hundredfold. So that's the parable. And then... And then Luke begins this, this little interlude between the parable and then what we're going to see later is where Jesus explains it to the disciples. And the disciples go, they realize that, I mean, they've been around Jesus enough to know that he's not giving them a lesson on agriculture at this moment. And so he know, they know that there's something deeper to what he's saying to them. And so they ask, I mean, what, what is the meaning of this? And then he begins to not direct or not right away um, give them an explanation of the parable, but he begins to share with them that, um, there's this contrast, right, between the disciples, those that are hearing the word, and the rest of the people. And he uses this, this phrase, this verse from Isaiah that's just talking about that there's, these, there's a people that um, the, the meaning of um, the parable is going to be hidden from them because of their previous rejection or just plain flat denial of, of God or Jesus in their life. And, and so there's this difference, right, that um, between those that are receiving God's word, that, that more will be given to them, and to those that are rejecting God and his word, that it will be hidden from them. And some would say even that that's a, a sense of uh, grace on their life, because the more we know, the more that we're going to be judged by, right? And so um, 
there's this hardness that begins to develop, right? There's this, um, if we take someone that um, when, when they reject Christ, we begin to build walls around us, right? To the point where the word can't penetrate anymore. And there's this hardness that begins to develop um, in our hearts. And, and this hardness has consequences. It's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples in this moment. So then he goes on and he begins to explain the, the parable. He is saying that this seed is the word of God, is the word of God. It's, it's this word from God about the coming kingdom. In, in verse 12, it's, it's the seed that is sown you know, beside the road and it's trampled on and the birds come that this first seed represents those that really never had a chance or the seed that never had a chance to germinate. Um, Satan comes and prevents uh, the message from taking root in the heart of those of, of people, right? The seeds represent um, the word and, and, it, and then it were to receive that, right? Um, and so those hearing is really the most that ever happens in this first part. And this is really the seed where um, it's very clear that it's someone who doesn't know Christ. And there's no traction to the message, and there's no real reflection on it, um, and the spiritual condition of this person is one who is unsaved. We also begin to learn that there's a real spiritual battle that goes on between Satan and Jesus for the souls of men. First Peter 2.9 talks about, or 2 Peter 3.9 talks about that. That Satan's goal is to prevent belief, right, in someone. And obviously God and Jesus want the opposite. And so there's this um, spiritual battle that goes on, which is why it's important for us to begin to pray for those people in our neighborhood, those people in our family that just don't know Christ. It's important for us to begin to pray um, their names and begin to pray that God would open up their heart to see truth. The second seed is the one that falls right um, <clears throat> on the ground, on the rocky soil, and it takes and germinates a little bit, but then it has no root system. And so then the first time some kind of trial or some um, temp temptation, but some kind of pressure or persecution or whatever it might be comes along, that they're not able to withstand that and they move away from truth, right? They fall, they fall away or whatever it might be. Now, it's very clear that the first one is an unsafe person, and it's going to be very clear that the fourth seed or the fourth soil is one who knows Christ. It's, it's less clear on seeds two and three um, what exactly is being meant by that. Is it someone who knows Christ or is it someone that doesn't? And I'm just going to tell you that I don't think it's, it's super important I because mean, that's not really the, the, the um, it's important, but it's not the main emphasis of this parable. And so we're not going to get into that necessarily, but just to know that when this particular seed, um, that it faces the first obstacle, it has no root system, and then it goes away. It's not able to produce fruit. Um, it's superficial. It doesn't have that root system. It doesn't have that base that when something happens, um, it can withstand right heat, it can withstand wind, it can withstand not going without water for a while, whatever it might be, but it just doesn't have 
that root system and it crushes and it falls and it goes away. The third seed is the one that falls amongst the, uh, the thorns, right? And it begins to, um, the thorn, the plant, begins to choke out. So this seed has germinated again and, and it's not able to produce fruit um, because the, uh, the thorns are is choking it. And so that you know, was representing the, um, the worry. It represents worry. It represents riches. It re- represents pleasure in the sense that this is what begins to then overtake, right? We have just an excessive, an excessive concern, an excessive um, amount of worry, an excessive amount of fixation on pleasure, an excessive amount of fixation on wealth, that it begins to dilute or begins to drown out or begins to regulate Christ in our life to second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, or even tenth place in our heart. And when that begins to happen, right, when that begins to happen, that the fruit cannot mature. It can't grow. And so in these first three instances, you know, it's really not a positive message here. The message is, is that there's something, whether it's unbelief, whether it's there's no root system, or whether it's the, the, the distractions, the things that take us away from Christ being number one in our life, move us away from um, bearing any kind of fruit in our life. Until we get to the fourth soil. And the fourth soil is one that... Um, is um, infertile ground and it grows and um, it, in response to that growth, it begins to yield fruit and it, scripture says a hundredfold more. And, and that's not necessarily important, that number. It's just saying that there is an abundance of mature fruit that begins to come out of it. And so he, Luke doesn't <clears throat> mention the levels of fruitfulness. He just simply excuse me, simply says that there is success here. In the first three, there's no fruit. In the last one, there is fruit. And he said there's the people who have a good heart, there's persistent faith, and there's a patient response to God's word, that these are the ones that are going to bring forth fruit in their life in response to the different obstacles that come at them. I want us to know that that this parable, this soil represents the different kinds of individuals um, viewed in terms of their whole life and not necessarily um, individual moments, right? We can get caught up and go, well, does that mean I'm saved or not saved? And I would say that we, we should take this as a totality of our life. You know, do we, um, from, to, from when we came to know Christ, is, is our life more like soil number four, where there's going to be moments where we're not, we're not perfect, right? But we're progressing. And we're going to mess up, but we're progressing. And we have this heart that there may be times where we're um, um, obstinate or belligerent or whatever it might be to Christ. But yet there's times, you know, and, but more than often than not, we begin to overcome that because Christ breaks that. He disciplines us and our heart becomes pliable again, and we say yes to him again. And we keep moving, and we keep moving, and we keep moving. And then there's the first three, right? That no fruit begins to produce that. In taking the whole totality of our life, 
is that indicative of who we are. And, and, and I want us to, to think about, though, that even though we're not talking about you know, little small snippets of our life, that these small decisions that we make can give us an indication that, well, this might be who I am then. But I want us to think about this as really looking over our whole life, where it stands today. What does it look like for me? Am I more like seed one, two, three, or four? And, and really he's talking about um, less about how does one get in? In other words, how does one become a son or daughter? And more about, while it's there, but more about how is one to be a fully effective disciple of a fully effective learner, lifelong learner of Christ in my life. So there's three clues to hearing God that we see in this parable. And the first one is um, having a good and honest, I'm a horrible writer, a good and honest heart. So that's a first clue to hearing God, to not only hearing him audibly, but hearing and listening, understanding, beginning to heed, beginning to do, all those things is that we are, are to, to really have that, um, to be like that fourth soil, that we are to be people that have a good and honest heart as opposed to a evil, right, and a dishonorable um, heart, and you can find in Scripture before that, and it's possible that Jesus described what that looked like in a couple of chapters before. Um, but this is what, you know, if you want a heart that's going to be pliable, if you want a heart that's going to really hear and you're going to understand Scripture and you're going to get more and more and more and there's freedom and there's blessing and there's all these things, then this is a good place to start is to begin to develop a good and honest heart in your life. And, and I believe that takes, right, um, that takes um, opening up God's word and reading and, and memorizing and um, meditating and, and all these disciplines that are there for you. And it's not about the discipline, it's about who the object is, right? It's God, it's getting to know him. And so it's beginning to do that, it's beginning to become and, and open up your life to other people that you trust, that you know love God as well, and let them invade your life, and let them dig in there, right? Dig, because they do it because they love you, not because they want to say, ha-ha, you know, or whatever it might be, but because they love you, and they're wanting to root out things that are preventing you from really believing who God is, what he's done, who you are, and this hope that you have in heaven. And then begin to live your life. And when, and when we're dishonest or when we're not good, then we, you know, instead of going into guilt and to shame, it's more of, you know, God, I, um, man, I've done this and I'm repentant. And, and you, you do all of that. And then you make this 180 U-turn and you go in the other direction. So he said it's a good and honest heart to hearing God. And the second thing is um, to um, hold fast. Right, it's to hold fast to the word. And in other words, it's, it's really meaning faith. Um, there's a song, usually when um, I 
get ready for a message, there's one song that, I, I know it sounds going to sound weird, but there's one song that I will listen to that I'll pick for that week. And, and, and if you look at my, my iTunes account, there's, there's one song for that week that I'll probably listen to, I don't know how many times, 200 times. It just goes over and over and over and over again. And it, it, it's my pump-up music for writing sermons, right? That's just what I do. Well, there's this one song this week that, um, that I was listening called Here Now by Hillsong United. And, oh, man, that was just a great, I would encourage you to listen to it. It's just a great, great, great song. But there's a line in there that just really connected with me. And it's about this faith. And it says, faith makes um, foolish. Let's see. Faith makes foolish what makes sense or something like that. I just like, wow. I mean, that right? Because there is times in my life and, and I'm not going to go into it, but there's these things that, you know, it seems like it makes sense, but because of my life with Christ and, and all of that, that I need to live in faith when I don't understand or when it doesn't make sense or there's a why there or whatever it is, but faith is just um, that thing that we do trusting in, in our good, good God and all of his many, many attributes, and, and holding fast there, right? Holding fast there when there's a tremendous amount of pain in our life, or holding fast there when there's doubt. And we have doubt, and that's okay to have doubt. But holding fast, that's the second clue to hearing God, to hearing and listening, and to being someone who's in that good soil. And the third one is um, patience. Sometimes God doesn't act, well, most of the time, God doesn't act in our timetable. And, and it's hard for us to understand, why, why didn't you do this, or why aren't you doing this now, or how come there's so much time? And if you look at, you know, Scripture, you'll see a lot of um, distance between um, when God called someone into actually using them, you know, many, many, many years and, and so, good and honest heart, holding fast, patience. Three clues to hearing God. The second, in, or the, the third, four, fourth thing is um, verse 16 and 18 where it says, be careful how you hear. That's how Jesus um, ends that. And that's really the purpose of that parable. Because we're running out of time, I'm just going to keep going. Um, and then the last thing, and he says in verses 19 through 21 is this. He says that um, for you to be that fourth soil, to really be a true family, to be part of that true family of God takes really three things. And that is to hear. And to hear we have to be present, right? We have to be present. We have to hear what God is saying. Um, and then to be listened, to listen, to heed to um, understand what's being said, to take that, that next step. And then the thing that we struggle with the most is this doing part. And, and I, I was trying to figure out a creative way to, to make this memorable. I don't know if we would just call it the, the HLD or whatever, or the hear, listen, do thing, or whatever it might be. But maybe those of you who are the creative can come up with a way to remember that. But Or maybe it's just hearing plus listening plus doing. I don't know. But... 
this is the thing, right, that, that he is saying, that for us to produce fruit, for us to have freedom in our life, for us to begin to have peace, all these things, the fruit of the Spirit in our life, love, joy, peace, self-control, all these things, in order for them to be a part of our life, we need to begin to be people where the, the seed, the Word of God, is, is, germinates in that good soil. So that when distractions, so that when wealth, so that when um, pleasures, so when um, worry and stress and, and um, persecution and all that comes our way, we're able to stand tall because we know the God that loves us. Uh, Oswald Chambers said this. We're going to close with this. What hinders me from hearing is that I am taken up with other things. It is not that I will not hear God, but I am not devoted in the right place. I am devoted to things, to service, to convictions, and God may say what he likes, but I do not hear him. I think this parable highlights a significant call on your life. My job is to be obedient to, to study and to teach and to preach and to equip. It's also to hear. But our job also is a, a high calling. This is a high calling to, to hear correctly when the word of God is shared whether it's on a Sunday morning gathering like this, whether it's something you listen to on a podcast or when you read his word, whatever it is. But begin to prepare your heart to hear correctly, to hear, to listen, and then to do what you're hearing. So this is what I want you to do um, as you can stand with us this morning, if you don't mind. I want you to think about um, what God has been teaching you probably the last six months. What has God been teaching you? Or if that's maybe difficult, what do you know then? I mean, if you're a follower of Christ, what do you know? What do you know about him? What do you know about what he's done? What do you know about who you are? Or what is God teaching you? And then I want you to take that, and I want you to take that this week and think about it. Now, what is one thing within that? What's that one next step? What's that one thing that I can progress in, right, to be more like Christ? And that's really your homework for this week. Okay? <laughs> Great. Let me pray, and then we'll continue worship. God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for this group. Thank you for their love for you. Thank you, God, for the love for each other. Thank you that we can have fun together, God. But I pray this morning that we have heard um, really kind of a, a very hard message um, in, your, in your, this parable of the good soil, God, and, and, or the four soils. And God, help us to navigate through that. Uh, help us to ask questions if we have questions, God. Help us to um, figure it out. But God, help us to hear, help us to listen, and God, help us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name.